Hey everyone and welcome to the kickabout. Arsenal bail themselves out and the pressure is mounting on Potter and Moyes. I'm your host Chris. I'm Pete. I'm Dan. everyone and welcome to episode 118 of the kickabout um we've got a ton of bits and pieces to go through we're going to do a cheeky fantasy league update as well um but before all that we are going to start the show as always with this damn the stat man yeah the uh the stats were lacking a little bit this week not gonna lie so i mean this one's a little bit different um, Liverpool's win over Newcastle was the 1,500th 2-0 victory in the Premier League's history. How the fuck's he going with this one? <laughs> yeah. Third most common result in the competition. But what are the two most common results in the competition? <laughs> well, okay, well, now I, I understand why you said the rest of the stats were pretty shit this week. <laughs> right, well, we'll, um, we'll leave that one until the end of the show. Can't wait for that one. Uh, <laughs> Right, uh, we're going to do a cheeky fantasy league update just because there's some um, potential banana skins coming up for a lot of people because game week 25 uh, for this weekend, of course, is the weekend we've got the Carabao Cup final, which takes out uh, Man United and Newcastle, but it also takes out Brentford and Brighton, two inform teams where you know players are going to be populated in the same teams. Um, I had a situation, I think I mentioned it a week or two ago when we last did this, that I had nine players that I didn't think we're going to be available. I've taken an eight point hit this week and my two free transfers. And I've managed to get it to the point where I've got one player on the pitch. I really don't want to be there, which is Danny Ward in goal um, and Luke Shaw, but everybody else. And I have got five players on double game weeks. So I think I might get out, get away with this. It'd be funny if Matip comes back. Yeah. Matip comes out. Gomez gets no money <laughs> on the team. Uh, as long as I don't bench boost by accident, because my entire bench is not playing. So yeah, I've got away with it. Um, and I had a good weekend, 70, 70 mm. points at the weekend. Um, I thought I was going to be... I mean, if it weren't for Man United, I mean, Man United got over half my points, those three players. De Gea, Shaw and Rashford proper mm. bailed me out yesterday. Um, everyone else was pretty dire, uh, if I'm being brutally honest. So, yeah, not bad. I've, I've gained some positions in the uh, Kickabout podcast. Now I'm up to 60, 61st position, the dizzying heights. Very nice. And Dan, you are you're still above me, aren't you? Yeah, forty third. Oh, making a late surge here. Yeah. Are you hoping for Europe or are you going for your um, Europa League? I'd like top four. <laughs> <laughs> so you are currently in forty third place, fourteen fifty nine. So you're one hundred and sixty points behind Wayne Parker at the top. I think you can uh, close that. Probably not. What's how far behind fourth am I? Fourth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> To be fair, only 100. Yes, that's doable. That's doable. Yeah. And he's actually, that guy, Lewis Holmes, he's in fourth, he's in another league with us. Mm. So if you catch him and pass him, you'll win yeah. the other one as well. Um, so yeah, so Wayne Parker still at the top. He's got about a 40-point lead over Dom Hoy Donahue, uh, Rakesh Pandey in third, Lewis Holmes in fourth, David Grant in fifth, uh, Peter Alfred, Dr. Potter. <laughs> I wonder if he uh, regrets putting that name in. Um, that's a new name. I think he must have sort of um, been creeping up the league. He's in sixth. Uh, Jordan Thompson last year's winner is down in seventh. He's dropped down. Peter McDonald also dropped down to eighth. Anthony Ushun, another name I don't recall. So maybe he's 
a new one in there. He's ninth. And Brian Griffin. You can see in the tenth. people that Captain Harlan and the people that Captain Ray. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone. That, yeah, shall we just test the theory quickly? Who did you captain? Yep, Captain uh, Harland. Who did you captain? Uh, yes, you Captain Harland. <laughs> and let's check these ones. Did you Captain Rashford? No, he Captain. He just had Fernandez in his team. Uh, and he had, oh, actually, to be fair, he spread uh, his points out quite, quite yeah. nicely. Lucky. So um, yeah, it's been um, it's been good. I mean, it does make me wonder actually because of, because of the way this France League works mm. in that if you just recreate the league and publish it out. Anybody that was in the league that creates a new team for next season under the same email address basically gets automatically added in. Mm. So this could this league could exponentially grow and grow and grow. Which is good. I really need to get in contact with them to please fucking allow me to post messages to everyone <laughs> yeah. in the league. Because think how many listeners we could yeah. tap into yeah. from this list. Mm-hmm. It'd be so good. Um, but uh, anyway, um, before we go on with the rest of the show, um, we are just going to take a very quick moment to... Um, sort of send our condolences for what it's worth to the family and friends of Christian Atsu, um, who, of course, was one of many thousands of people caught up in the uh, horrific events of the earthquake out in Turkey and Syria. Um, there was originally a rumour, I think, that he was found alive earlier yeah. in the piece, and then it turned out that it, that was not true, and unfortunately his uh, body was recovered later in the um, uh, in the week or whenever it was. So, yeah, desperately sad news, but I guess, you know, you know, it's not just Christian Atsu, is it? There's 10, 15,000 other people that also died in that. Mm. It's been absolutely horrific. So um, well done to everyone who's working out there and trying to dig through the remains of the rubble and trying to uh, do what they can. But they were hit with another earthquake today as well, which is fucking Sad. brutal. Yeah. So, yeah, all of our best goes to everyone affected. Um, and, yeah, obviously football was affected with the death of Christian Atsu ex- Newcastle and who else did he play? Chelsea. It was Chelsea, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 31, that's really young. It is. He was still professional before. He was playing in Turkey, wasn't he? I can't mm. remember which team it was in Turkey. Um, so, yeah. But uh, he was still playing. So, and yeah, just desperately sad news. Um, right. Um, on with the show then. We're going to start with, um, and Chelsea fans are not going to like me for this one, but we are going to start at Stamford Bridge because arguably the surprise result of the weekend, and one, I'll be honest, as a West Ham fan, I could have done without, um, <laughs> was Chelsea nil, sure. Southampton won. Um, now I don't really think there's a great deal to talk about with Southampton in because this kind of was a little bit of a uh, of a smash and grab. Um, you know, thirty eight percent possession to Southampton, only the eight. I mean, they had eight shots and goal actually. To be fair, they they didn't uh, they didn't just turn up and sit back. But I mean, again, it's it's a, it's the same thing every week, and it was the Champions League midweek again. You they played some okay stuff at times, nothing brilliant. Seventeen shots on goal. They just can't score. And I was looking back the other day through their results. And since October the 19th, they've only scored two goals in a game on three occasions. And I think they've drawn blanks on eight or nine occasions since then. Mm. Um, It is a really poor record. I'm pretty sure I heard a stat that said also that Rashford has scored more goals this season than Chelsea has (laughs) um, in all competitions, I think. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, where did, what on earth did Chelsea do now? Because they've, they've dug themselves into this hole now where they've backed Potter for this long. They've backed him massively in the, in the transfer market. What what do they do? Do they stick or do they twist here? I mean, I was for ages up and saying you got to stick with him, but even I'm I'm not even a Chelsea fan, and even I'm starting to get to that point where I'm like, uh. <laughs> do you think? Um, I mean, the, the problem is, is that we from what little we do know about their American owners, he's not exactly portrayed himself in a manner in which you know he makes himself out to be a football man mm. you know you know some of the shit he's come out with so far um so i don't know 
what his thinking was when he first brought in Potter, if it was a case because Potter's stock was quite high at the time, doing so well with Brighton. So, you know, it, it was a popular appointment, I guess, giving an English manager an opportunity at a, bit, at a big club. But at some point, the this long-term project, you can't just keep losing games and keep mm. saying, no, it's a long-term project. Well, how long-term is it before you start winning games? Because surely there has to be a short, a medium and a long-term goal. The short-term is not to stink up the place. And I mean, let's be honest, right now, they could slip out of the... Um, the top, I think they have slipped out of the top 10 now, haven't they? Yeah, close to it. Almost. So three points, a Villa are three points behind them, but with this inferior goal difference. Um, but They're uh, almost closer to the relegation zone than they are the top four. I think that was one of the stats. Um, yeah, almost. 11 points to the top four yeah. and 15 to the uh, to where West Ham are in 18th. Oh, I didn't want to say that again. Well, no, because... Hang on. Oh, yeah. No, 11 points. Oh, no, you're right. It's 11. Yeah, 11. Sorry, I missed when I was looking at the wrong columns. Right. It's 11 either way. So they are yeah. literally banging in the middle yeah. of the league. Um, but, you I mean, look at their goals scored and goals conceded, 23 and 23. That I mean, to say this has been a disappointing season is somewhat of an understatement for mm. Chelsea. Um, Pete, what would you do? Would you stick or twist here? You probably have to twist now. I mean, I I gave him the, the scapegoat of they had a lot of injuries, but they've plugged those with half of the UK (laughs) (laughs) but you know even the result against West Ham it wasn't fully convincing it was there was only a 20 or 40 minute period in patches where they were good they're not consistent enough you know if you're spending like nearly 400 million in a transfer window you have to be doing better especially against the likes of Southampton not not just saying that as a Portsmouth I mean they are terrible <laughs> but they've invested in Potter heavily I'm, I'm not just the playing staff but like his coaching team and yeah. even scouts and scouts stuff well. yeah have a backroom staff members of all from Brighton as well I mean is there a case for saying if you're playing devil's advocate here a little bit that we've all agreed on here that we're not 100% sure how many of those signings would have been Potters mm. do you think that you know that Chelsea have um for want of a better expression, stitched him up a bit? Yeah, I mean, well, they've got way too many players as it is because, I mean, I was saying before they had like 33 players and obviously some of them they've not even registered for the Champions League. Mm. Um, they registered 25 players, can't they? Yeah. yeah, and they've got a squad of 33. And that's not to mention all the players. You know, they send like 20 players a year out on loan. I'm pretty sure they've still got Batshuayi and Bakayoko at the club. <laughs> Are they still linked yeah. to Chelsea? Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess you know, if if we're defending Potter for a moment here before we before we go on the attack, you know, he, he's he's coming earlier in the season. He's inherited a team that was also invested fairly heavily in the summer as well when Tuchel was still there. And you're kind of thinking, right, okay, well, give Potter a chance because you know that his style will take time to get across to the players. And then you're thinking, well, even if he was finding somewhat of a group, which I don't really think he was in January and then mm. run up to January anyway. But even if he was, the last thing you want to do is then go and say, right, well, things are going either good or bad. Here's another 15 players that we've decided that we want. We've not consulted you on this. Now go and make that work. And I just, I feel like maybe he's been given a bit of a shitty hand here that, you know, that he's, he's having to deal with an owner who's sort of like just flashing the cash left, right and centers on these eight year, nine year deals. He's then got the added pressure of having to play those players because of the money that's been mm. invested um, when in reality they may not be the sort of players that he wants in his system. At Brighton, he was allowed to cherry pick players that would fit into his system, regardless of their value or their their uh, reputation or anything. And over time, obviously, he built it and built it, and it worked. And at Chelsea, obviously, you're not going to get that time anyway to do that. I, I think but sorry, sorry, yeah, I was just going to say, but you know, now that he's been given these players, he's now got to 
mould these players who may not have been a type of player that he wanted. He's now got to mould them into something that performs mm. on the pitch. And I think it helped being at a club like Brighton. You, you know, the players you were dealing with were Adam Lallana, Danny Welbeck, who I think... Don't you, you diss could... the Welbs. No, I'm not dissing them <laughs> players, but I mean, you know, they're squad players. Like, you can yeah. quite easily leave them on the bench. Whereas at Chelsea, you've got a team full of superstars. Yeah. And none of them want to be sat on the bench or not included in the Champions League and stuff like that. So he's got to try and contend with keeping 33 of these players happy, which is just going to be impossible. Yeah, and and even though I was a little bit surprised at the deal at the time, I think Jorginho must be fucking smiling mm. every day, the fact that he's got out of Chelsea and that situation. The Premier League. Well, yeah, but not, not just that, but just being away from that situation yeah. as a whole. Um, but so when he When he joined Chelsea, though... They went on like new manager bounce. They won like five games in a row, didn't concede any. Yeah. They weren't terribly convincing in that, but they were getting the results. Now, and the problem is, is that they're, they're still not terribly convincing, but they've stopped getting the results. Mm. And I, I I, don't know what they'll do now. Supposedly, from what we read, the backing is still there, mm. from what we understand, that the Todd Bowley has is, is still been impressed with what Potter's doing in training. Apparently, Potter is actually quite harsh on the players. Suppose he's actually come down on them quite hard, which is that's, interesting to know. That's because of the reports of the footage coming out, them coming out of the tunnel, they just looked so dejected and didn't even care. Oh, really? Yeah, that's why he had to make that comment about the training. Or Top Bowley made that comment about him. I see, so that was more of a saving face comment than, yeah. than anything else. Okay. Um, so, but yeah, I, I wonder, and I was talking about this with Lee at the weekend, um, I wonder whether or not they'll give him the, the midweek... The Champions League, uh, the um, sorry, the next next week, Spurs whenever the game. Champions League is. The, oh, the Champions League game, yeah, I, the week after. Yeah, against Dortmund. If if he can turn that result around and go a bit deeper in the Champions League, I wonder if that will be enough from an ownership point of view to say, okay, well, there's still something there. If they if they lose that and they're still not picking up any results in the Premier League, then yeah, I think. What you, if they lose to Spurs at the weekend? I think he'll still get the Champions League. <laughs> um, I think it depends on the manner of the defeat. Um. The Chelsea fans, I think, are, for the most part anyway, um, are accepting of the fact that the club is in a serious transition phase and that everything's not going to suddenly be fixed overnight. But what they want to see is they want to see progress. And at the minute, they're just seeing the team in full reverse. There was a lot of booze after the game. And at halftime as well. Understandably. Um, Mm. So, uh, but what doesn't help, keeping on the Potter track here, is the sort of interview that he gave after the game. What did you Mm. guys make of this? Because it was an odd one, wasn't it? It was almost like a bit of a... Almost like he knew that he had the backing, so it was a bit of a shrug his shoulders. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of like just passing the buck, saying that, well, it was likely to happen um, because he had to change players for the Champions League game and stuff like that. But, I mean, when you're sat in 10th and it's unlikely that you're going to be winning the Champions League, I don't think the Champions League should be your priority. Mm. Not right now. I mean, I think... I mean, at the moment, there is a very, very realistic prospect that Chelsea don't even get Europe at all, mm. which for the players they've just signed, and, you know, that would be a, a, quite a big disaster financially as well. I don't think Todd Bowley would be particularly pleased with that because, you know, he, he won't have bought into this project if he thought that this was going to be realistic. I'm sure he wasn't thinking they'll win the league, but I think he's probably thinking, well, we can turn this around and get, you know, Champions League at the very, at the very least. Um, and, yeah, obviously here they are, 10th place, one win in six. Um, I think it's coming. I think the chop is coming. I don't see things carrying on as they are in Potter lasting the season. I just don't. Um, so, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, massive game against Spurs next week. If they can win that big London derby and play well, that will take a lot of the pressure off Potter, even in the short term. 
But if he doesn't follow that up with a win in the next mm. game, then it'll all come crashing down again. So, indeed. Um, right, well, that's enough for the um, the Chelsea fans to, to have dealt with. We're going to just concentrate for a moment on the battle at the top because midweek last week, Arsenal... Uh, lost at home to Manchester City 3-1 in what was dubbed a very big game in the title race. And results at the weekend have effectively negated that win for Man City um, and pretty much handed the uh, the initiative back to Arsenal on the assumption Arsenal could win their game in hand against whoever that is. Um, we'll start with the Arsenal it's game. Everton, is it Everton? Yeah. Oh, yes, I think you do. I think you're right. Um, we'll, we'll start with uh, with Arsenal uh, in, the, in the Villa game. Um, first of all, Cracking game of football. Mm. Really, really good, entertaining really game of football. Game, yeah. um, was this the sort of result that, uh, dare I say it, champions are able to dig out? Yeah, I mean, there was an element of luck to it. Obviously, the the sort of, it was like the 91st minute, wasn't it? And Jorginho's just sort of hit one from however many yards out. He's hit the crossbar at the goalkeeper and gone in, so... They are, they are pleasing those ones when they hit the goalkeeper yeah, back of the head and go Yeah, in. especially when the goalkeeper's a knobhead. <laughs> Offside or not? For which one? Jorginho's goal. Uh, Two players interfering with uh, Martinez's view. Ooh, I must admit, I didn't clock that. Yeah. Um... For me, it's blatantly offside. Okay, that doesn't count in my eyes. I'd have no. to, uh, I'd have to watch the replay of that yeah. one. I didn't. It wasn't when I was watching highlights and stuff. I don't even recall I it being mentioned. They, no, I don't think they even. Uh, when when I, I saw it and I was like, "Yeah, <coughs> that's not being given." Okay, <laughs> I thought oh, Arsenal won this, haven't they? Mm. I mean, it is a, it is a. I'm not sure where I stand on the whole interfering thing when when players are in the way because where were they in terms of how far out from the goal? They're about five yards in front of Martinez behind the whole back line mm. of Villa. Two of them as well. Was there any protest from the Villa players at the time or no? I don't but is it interfering if it's hit the crossbar? It's more the the the, the view of the keeper. That's the issue, isn't it? Maybe they thought if you're, maybe, if you're in an offside position and you're blocking the view of the keeper, yes, he made the dive. Yeah, he still got there, but he's still in the keeper's vision. I can only think that maybe they they don't believe that the keeper's getting there either mm. way. Um, yeah, it's, it's difficult to to know that one. You you see that a fair amount, and it is often overlooked that these players, you know, if they're in your peripheral vision as a goalkeeper, they're gonna kind of be interfering because mm. you're having to look around and that sort of thing. And well, Pete's just. Uh, uh, yeah, fair enough. Be, being the, uh, well, yeah, and Martinez in fairness looks like he stood directly behind them mm, as well. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that, that looks like they may have a, a case there. Um, obviously, they go on <laughs> and win the game four two. Yeah, it just felt to me like this was after the the, the wobbles they had. When I saw them go two one one nil down and then two one down, I thought, mm. oh, they they're surely not bottling it this hard. And this was massive for them to come back. Psychologically, this is huge for Arsenal because they've they'll feel like they've gone through that patch now. They'll feel like they're out of it. They've regained their confidence. They've managed to grind out a win when perhaps they you could argue they didn't deserve to, given how the game unfolded. And now all of a sudden they win their game in hand and they're six points they clear. Got two of, nice games now as well. Um, Leicester and Everton. Yeah, sorry, five points clear of City, which means that even if City win their game in hand, sorry, win the game against Arsenal, Arsenal are still two points clear. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's these little moments now in the in the league in this in this title fight that are going to make such a difference now between the end, now and the end of the season. And then if you compare that to the the Man City Forest game, where Man City absolutely no, battered, uh, how they were only one nil up when when Forest equalises is beyond me. 
Um, now, all of us here didn't captain Harlow at the weekend. I think we almost have had an epiphany because <laughs> uh, he's gone off the boil. I don't think there's any way of saying it now. If you look at his his numbers and stuff, I think he's, you'd argue he's gone off the boil now, do you think? Or am I, am I jumping the gun a bit? He just does it, though, doesn't he? He'll score three goals or six goals and then he'll go quiet for one or two games. But he's not got the consistency that he had at the start of the season. That's the thing. I'd still be shit scared of not, like, captain. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you I need mean, to take advantage of someone like Watkins or Rashford being in a hot form. Mm, so. Yeah, exactly. That. Especially being a midfielder to get more. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the double miss was astonishing. Mm. Um, I mean, in in for in form or not, he shouldn't be missing both of those chances. No, and there was that, and then there was Foden should have passed it to him, and he ended up like falling over and just towing the ball to the defender. I think it was. I, I was really surprised that Foden didn't just take that shot on himself. I just don't understand why he didn't pass. He, I, he he obviously got caught between shooting and passing it, mm. and in the end, he didn't either. But mm. I'm just surprised that because I feel like their game plan is pass it to Harland. Yes. So I'm surprised it wasn't just ingrained in him to look Harland's through on goal. Or to yeah. Pass it to and because him. the keeper was coming out, if he plays it that little bit early, the keeper's not going to get there no, anyway. No. Um, you were on about the challenge where what Felipe knocked it out last minute, didn't he, from Harland? Yes. But they were both yeah, run, literally yeah, yeah, both bearing down goal. on the goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah. goal uh, phone sort of fell over and yeah, like, just last minute towed I mean, it. In terms of how dominant City were on this, Kayla Navas. What a signing, he, what yeah, a signing yeah, he's yeah, been, yeah. by the way. Ridiculous saves to keep him in the game as well. Yeah. Is, uh, is Henderson back fit yet? I don't know. Because he ain't getting anywhere no. fucking near that. <laughs> eleven. He's now. got to come back to us with his tail between <laughs> his legs. Well, I mean, the good thing is, is that Navas will get a nice weekend off next week because they're playing West Ham, so he won't have much to do next weekend. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's gone under the radar a bit, actually, just how good a signing Kato Navas has mm. been. Um, you know, he's, some of the saves he made in that game were outstanding, and he's done that in a couple of games already. Mm. And he's, you could argue, he's, you know, he's been one of the reasons why Forest have suddenly uh, found some form. They've won three out of their last six and only lost one. Unbeaten in seven at home, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're still, they're still goals scored record. He's only 18 goals scored. He's one of the worst in the league. But defensively, they do seem to just tighten things up a little bit. Mm. And a lot of that is down to Kano Navas. I mean, a team like Forrest to be signing a former Real Madrid and PSG player in a back end, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. And, and with goalkeepers as well, I, mean, I don't know how old Kano Navas is. He's got to be mid-30s. It's like 36, 37. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, those goalkeepers can, I mean, look at Buffon, for yeah. example. And Brad, yeah. the old Brad Farida, we went into <laughs> about 41 as well. So, yeah, fair play to Forrest. They stuck in the game. Brennan Johnson... If you know, let's do, just for argument's sake, let's say Forrest have a bit of a capitulation and go down. Brennan Johnson's staying in the Premier League, isn't he? Yeah, Did up. you see um, uh, what's the bloke they signed from Wolves? Uh, Gibbs White. Yeah. Did you see his shot? No. It literally hit it outside the stadium. <laughs> oh yeah. It hit it so high. Like. <laughs> That's the thing. If you do that in a Saturday League game, Dennis, you will get screwed yeah. from on side. Yeah. And you're probably having to pay for the cost of the new match ball. Yeah. It's probably said, oh, that's, that's probably ended up in the River Trent. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it was a pivotal weekend, though, because, you know, Man City, as I say, they kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit. They had a you know good performance against Arsenal. I didn't think Arsenal played bad in that game, despite the result. I think City just punished them when Arsenal made mistakes. Mm. And now, you know, they've lost two points and they're now back into second place again. They've, they've handed that initiative back to Arsenal. So there's going to be more ups and turns and bits and pieces but at the minute both teams look a little bit vulnerable still despite the fact Arsenal came back they obviously still look a little mm. vulnerable at the back um, and um, you know 
just want to put it out there, Dan. If Arsenal lose their game in hand, <laughs> it's five points off the title, mate. Mm. Every time we do this, we then lose <laughs> our next game. Yeah, I need to time this when we play you next. <laughs> so, right, okay, let's um, let's move on. We're going to rattle through the games a little bit more today to try and not have the hour and a half episode that we had last week. Um, let's talk Newcastle and Liverpool. Now, Newcastle, of course, got the cup final next week. Um, obviously, someone forgot to tell Pope that before yeah. the game. Must be his sister's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> He's done the full name off. Um, I mean, can anybody fathom or explain to me what the fuck he was doing? I don't know why he didn't just kick it. I know, the ball's down there. Yeah. Why is he trying to head it when the ball's on I the floor? I think he slipped. I looked at the replay so many times. I think he slipped. But because he, f- he fell on the ball with his head, he must have just got twatted and went, ah, yeah. instinct to catch the ball. <laughs> Can, I don't, and then he's clattered he, like was it Trippier or someone else after it as soon as he's yes he did yeah he cleaned one of the players out um, <laughs> I, I find it amazing though because obviously I saw the replays and I'm like well that's as clear a red card as you're ever going to see and yet Jamie Redknapp was saying he thought it was harsh he didn't think it was well, intentional etc so did Gary Lineker in that during match of the day saying that it shouldn't have been a, a red card and I'm like, well, it is but yeah. if, you, if, you, if you look at the, the pictures from the Liverpool end mm. and look down if if keep if the keeper's not there if he misses that ball completely Salah's got an open goal yeah. and there's ne- no I mean yes they're not a million miles away from him, but there's no way they're going to catch Salah yeah. so to say that that's not a denial of an obvious goal scoring chance is absolutely ridiculous um, the best thing about it though well I mean it's sad for him that he's not going to play in the final but uh, Dubravka obviously can't play Cup-tied. for Newcastle for <laughs> no. and if United win he gets a medal <laughs> yeah. it's a win-win though, that's, isn't that's it? amazing so does that mean if Newcastle win he doesn't get a medal yeah. Yeah. oh man but what a beautiful issue. situation the only options they've got in goal you've got Carrius, Carrius or you've got Gillespie and Gillespie hasn't played since he played is he the months. youngster yeah he played for like Motherwell yeah. three years ago right Carrius hasn't played in two years well, well, has, has he played competitively since the Champions League final where he obviously he went up. on loan in Germany right um, he's third choice keeper so he's going to be training day in day oh yeah yeah so, I mean uh, Hal said he you know he plays like training games and he does like friendlies and that but but the issue is would coming you in your first game back coming into a cup final mm. where the last time he played was a cup final yeah, and fucked up and yeah. that was really bad you wait, it'll be unreal. Yeah, he'll have the game with like, the, the full redemption story. <laughs> so they've got quite a few injuries now, haven't they? Because yeah. Sam Axman's still out, isn't he? Um, he played. Oh, was he? Yeah, yeah no, he's, he's oh, back. Okay. He hasn't been starting, I don't think, right, that much, um, but he's back around. Gramerez is injured. Yeah, Gramerez. Is he? Yeah. yeah. That's they, interesting, because he was suspended, week. wasn't he? Mm. He must have come out and got injured. Injured, sorry. Almiron's gone off the boil. Mm-hmm. Newcastle, have their goals have dried up quite a lot in mm. recent games anyway. Um, Isak been a really bad run of form. Yeah, Isak um, has not produced the goods not yet. Uh, I think Wilson's gone quiet. Yeah, and I mean, you look at their as you say, look at their their form. One win in the last six. They've been drawing a lot of games. I mean, they've drawn eleven of their twenty three games, which is astonishing that they're still in uh, in the top. Well, they were in the top four up until the weekend, then have dropped out. Um, but actually, then Newcastle need to be careful because as good a season as they've had. Reaching a cup final is brilliant. Mm. If they don't arrest this this form, Fulham are now only three points behind them. Mm-hmm. Brighton are only further three points back, as are Liverpool and Brentford. Newcastle are going to find themselves going from, you know, six weeks ago, people sort of talking to them as a very outside bet for a, a title mm-hmm. push, to now not being in Europe at all. I so, think Liverpool start to make their way up the table now as well. If they I, start I was just to... looking at the table there. How, how well we talk about Brentford... Liverpool have skipped past them. Yeah, so all it takes is a, a few sort of wins. Um, Has there ever been a season quite like this in terms to 
how close the league is. I mean, you know, the, the top three now are kind of a cut above. But then you look downwards from there. But even that, you know, we haven't had a, a top three for a long time. It's been City and Liverpool. Top two, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And then you look from fourth down to well, ninth is separated by seven points. Mm. And then beyond that, you're talking il- um, 11th down to 18th is eight points. Um, well, and, he, and then, you know, 20th up to 16th is three, four that's points. That's only because so. Southampton are bottom and they refuse to get relegated. Really. <laughs> well, I mean, they are being very stubborn in that regard right now. I mean, if they but stay I think up, every week, the, the bottom three changes. Yeah. Um, and this is why... <laughs> this is why it's so important to pick up those results when you're in those, in any of those situations whether you're at the top or the bottom because mm-hmm. you can't keep having that one slip up costing you two or three positions in the table because it's just a never ending psychological battle of like, how you approach games um, but uh, yeah just on the on the topic of, of Liverpool as well I mean they have you know there have been a lot of press about them this year Klopp's been under pressure they've had some injury issues um, Salah's been bang out of Nick as well Gakpo getting amongst the goals will be pleasing and, mm. and two wins from two mm. are we are we just seeing a little bit of a reigniting remember what Liverpool did a couple of years ago um, when they came back and somehow managed to fire themselves back in the top four are we see, or seeing the, the little signs of life there do you think I mean it will help I think it, it helps that they've played Newcastle when they're out of form at the moment um, and obviously they beat the other win was against Everton which is obviously a derby match so you sort of get yourself up for that anyway. Um, but it'd be interesting to see how they do in the Champions League against mm-hmm. Real Madrid. Yeah. That'll be a really tough game. That's this week, isn't it? That's, uh, that's tomorrow, potentially, isn't it? Yeah. So, um... <clears throat> well, I saw signs of the, the Liverpool team that we've seen in the previous season in that game, but it's not consistent enough. There's too many errors, and they got let off lightly quite a few times in that game. Mm. Yeah, a team that's kind of in a bit better form I suppose going forward might well have maybe taken advantage of some of those I think Liverpool are okay going forward I think it's defensively that they're just so vulnerable Mm. especially um, I mean we're we're obviously playing them soon and (coughs) I can't wait to see Rashford tear Trent a new one oh god I mean that's that's, we might need to call the police that's (laughs) absolute bullying that is isn't it what's what's the update with Nunez then because they're saying whether he's going to be fit to play Real Madrid Mm. did he come off with an injury yeah he had a shoulder injury Yeah, I'm not sure. I've not seen anything. I saw obviously that he went off. But I didn't. I didn't even know it was an injury. If I'm honest, um, yeah, Nunez is a sort of player actually that would, um, despite his lack of goal scoring threat at times, he'd be perfect for a game against Madrid because you need players that can stretch him. Because mm. Real Madrid are going to come onto them, even though it's at Liverpool. Real Madrid are going to push high. His goal was good as well. Actually. It was a good finish. Yeah, in fairness to him. So to have someone like Nunez who can run the line, run those channels, and and do those uh, sort of lung busting runs to relieve the defence, that's massive to to have. So yeah, be interesting to see how they do. They have got some okay fixtures coming up when they got Palace. Palace have historically been a bit of a tricky game for them. Um, then they got Wolves and obviously the big one against United on the 5th of March um, and then it's Bournemouth Fulham actually no they haven't got easy they've got some very tough fixtures actually looking at that and then they've got City uh, Fulham City and then Arsenal so um, yeah I guess we'll we'll find out their credentials if they are on their upward trend I guess we'll find out but, um, but they've got like Jota coming back Firmino's back from injury I don't know how long Diaz is out for yeah, he's. I forgot he's there, isn't he? He's been mm. he's been injured for so long. Um, I think Van Dyke is. Van Dyke started. He started at the weekend, yeah. didn't he, for the first time, and that's massive. And I know he's not been brilliant this season, but just having his presence back in there will be a big mm. boost to that Liverpool back line. So yeah, I think um, the news of Henry saying that he's not going to sell the club, 
I don't know how that, how do you think that will go down with Liverpool fans? Because I don't think he's universally disliked and it's not the same no. relationship like the Glazers or anything like that. Um, but there has been this, you know, with the Super League stuff, you know, the way that John Henry did his mm. apology and everything else, there might still be a little bit of needle there. Um, and just, well, I, do, I don't think that they're, I don't think it's similar to the United fans in terms of wanting the Glazers out as it is for the Liverpool fans wanting. Because um, a while ago, Carragher and Darren Everett had an argument yeah, saying, I remember, yeah, yeah. about him, Carragher saying that Liverpool didn't need new owners. So, but I think yeah, on that point, I think Gary Neville was more. He didn't say they needed new owners, no, but he said obviously the Liverpool were yeah, set wanting yeah. to sell. That's what so. I mean. The fact that Carragher was adamant that they didn't need new owners, I think that's probably how. You mm-hmm. know, I don't think I don't know many Liverpool fans that are like protesting get the owners out. So. No, and it, I've, yeah, I've never seen a news article where that's been no. stated or anything like that. I think that. Obviously, they all they all want money to be spent better, especially on you know midfield areas, for example. But I haven't seen any uh, any protests as such. So, but anyway, I mean, if that situation is now resolved and the book has been closed and he's looking for investment rather than a sale. Um, that would take their attention away, and you know maybe every, all all focus to the pitch, I guess from there, from that point forward. Um, right, okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break there. When we come back, we're going to talk um, some more Premier League action. Uh, we'll talk some of the stuff that's going on at the bottom end of the table before we get into the stats and the quiz. See you in a minute. Hey everyone and welcome back to the show. Um, we are going to jump into the United game to start with. United 3, Leicester 0. Um, we're only going to cover the game briefly. I more, more want to talk about what's going on with the ownership situation at Old Trafford. Um, but to the game, another great win for United. Another impressive display again. Um, Leicester, you know, I didn't feel like... I didn't feel like they deserved to be the three new so there were elements of that game where I thought actually Leicester did quite well and actually, you know, a couple of those saves from De Gea were just mm. unbelievable. Especially first half. I mean, yeah. Leicester could have run run away with it at one point. Um but I mean even Madison said that like a few saves from De Gea, you know, from unbelievable saves as well. And then as soon as you know I got the goal, it was like a kick in the balls. Really. Yeah. Um, I mean, one, I can't remember, I think it was Ian Acho's header. Mm. It was, you know, I heard the term Gordon Banks save used quite a lot. For those of you that remember that save against Pele in mm. whichever World Cup it was, it was just one of those ones where you just can't believe the goal he's actually got to it and managed to claw it away. It was incredible. Um, so, yeah, I think um, Leicester can feel a little bit un- hard done by losing that game 3-0 in the end. Um but obviously Rashford again just cannot keep a good man down, can you? Mm. Scored midweek as well in in the Champions League. I mean, to to think where Rashford was twelve months ago, to think where he is now, it is an astonishing. It's the highest scorer in Europe this year. It's it's an amazing turnaround. And does it? And does anybody else here feel like a little bit of regret that we didn't use him a bit better in the World Cup? Yeah, <laughs> I know hindsight's a wonderful now, thing. Yeah. I know it's a wonderful yeah. thing, but um, Luke Shaw, Luke Shaw's been really good as well. Yeah, I mean, dead ball wise. Yeah, yeah. playing playing centre back, you know, a fair mm. amount as well. I think he's been very good. Sancho, well, how how have you? What's your feelings on him at the moment since um, he's come back from injury? I think Ten Hag's done really well in the way he's managed him because um, you know, he's sort of started a couple of games and come off early, and he started on the bench and come on early. Because um, I was good, I was glad to see Garnacho starting. 
Um, and he done he done quite well, and then he obviously got swapped at half time, and Sancho came on, and Sancho done really well when he came on. I mean, he he hasn't played for us for like three months, so I think it's going to get take a bit of time. But he already looks better than he did under Oli. I mean, he looks like he's playing a bit more of a central role as well, mm-hmm. like playing almost like as a number ten. Do you think that suits him more than a roll out wide? Uh, yeah, because he really lacks pace. I mean, I I've seen him live a couple of times, and he's really not quick at all. Um, and the way we play is quite fast when we go forward obviously which is why Rashford thrives so much because we sort of play those balls in behind Um, and Sancho's just not that sort of player of running in behind Um, which I think is why all our goals come from Rashford because we've got people like Bruno and Sancho that can be that playmaker yeah and then Rashford's got that raw pace and trickery to get in behind yeah I mean the Sancho's goal was kind of typical in that Mm. in the Sancho didn't have to like he wasn't busting a gut in the same way that Rashford did for both his goals where he runs mm. in behind and then finishes them both quite well. Um, but it's just such a well-worked goal. That's the sort of goal, you know, when, when your team scores a goal like that, you know you're in a good place. Yeah, yeah. Um, that sort of one-touch football where you're expecting the guy to shoot, but he does, he just sort of rolls it across mm. and then there's Sancho there for a for a tap-in. I, I would actually say that United are probably the most feared team in the Premier League at the moment. Right you, now. You, you wouldn't want to come up against them. I think... What you're saying about Sancho and Garnacho, he's got he's got a really good balance between playing them both now because Garnacho's hungry, Sancho wants to get back in that squad and he's got a little bit of competition now. Um, I I would not want to be playing United at this rate. And I feel like Old Trafford is becoming that stadium that no one wants to play at again. Fortress, get in there. Yeah, yeah I agree. There was quite a long time where teams would easily win three points at Old Trafford whereas now it is becoming a bit more of what like Pete says a fortress again yeah I think um, I don't know what the, the official form book says but I'd be very surprised if they are the informant team in the league over the last couple of months certainly mm. since certainly since the uh, the World Cup uh, since we restarted after the World mm. Cup I think that I don't think they're quite the fortress yet that obviously that they once were but I think that if they can add if they can add a number nine um, you know, I do, feel, I do feel sorry for Ben. I was just about to come on to him. I mean, he's, he reminds. I'm trying to think of an, an equivalent player. Maybe you guys have got examples of players who used to play for your clubs as well, where you just kind of love him because he's just seems like an honest guy. Yeah. Um, he does. He works hard for the team, but he just for whatever reason he just fucking can't score. He just yeah. cannot hit a barn door. Me. Vegos just did everything but score of the weekend I mean there was one I can't remember who it was he rolled it into it might have been Sancho he bent his run beautifully he opened up his body and he just you know hit it at the keeper and you just saw Vegos just kind of collapse to his knees do you remember when um, Rooney was walking his son on the pitch oh, trying yeah, to get the trying goal. Clipping out saying United trying to get Vegas to score a goal. <laughs> there was even a moment later in the game, I think it was already 3-0 by this point, where Fernandez had the ball and I think he could have easily had a yeah, shot and, and he tried to roll yeah. it to Vegas. It's like, come on, you come on, you can yeah. do it, you can do it. Give him a penalty next time you get one. But um, yeah, I think obviously he's not a long-term option at number nine. As much as he's doing a job at the moment for United, mm. he's not a long-term option. Martial, the, all the rumours are that he's going to be sold in the summer. Um, yeah, I think it's time for time to go for him. Like, you can't depend on someone that's injured every other week. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, obviously, we won't know. We're kind of we're going to come onto it now. Actually, talk about the ownership situation, but that's going to be key to get that resolved mm. one way or the other because the Glazers are not going to want to spend big in the summer if they're looking if they think there's a realistic prospect of them being able to sell the club before then. Mm. So one way or the other, that needs to get sorted because if you're going to want to go out and spend. 70 to 100 million on another striker, say someone like um, Osimhen from Napoli, 
I don't know if the Glazers are going to do that all the while there's this potential ownership thing you, going on. Do you not think like this This might upset the apple cart a little bit in, in terms of this transition? Because while you are only five points behind, I still don't think it's realistic that you can win the title. No, not at all. But at the same time, there, there are mistakes in United, granted. I mean, the, the way that they played against Leicester the first 20 minutes, they should have been two or three nil down. Once they get kicking, I think for next season, they could win the league if mm-hmm. if they add right. But with this question mark over the ownership, that's where my issue comes along because they've 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 built it up to a, a good standard now with Ten Hag coming in, the players they've got in, with the new ownership. Do you think that it's either going to peter one way or the other? Mm. I think it depends who can't. I mean. Because you look at Newcastle, for instance, they've obviously brought in Eddie Howe and they haven't been trying to sign Mbappes and stuff like that. They've been signing, like, um, uh, what's his face that was now gone to Forest? Wood. Chris, yeah, Chris, Chris Wood. Wood. They've yeah. signed players like Chris Wood, who you wouldn't have thought billionaire owners would come in and sign. So if we can take that approach and sign the right player rather than the shiny new toy, then I think we can only it can only be a good thing. Well, I mean, I would say so far since Ten Hag has been there... Um, I can't think. I mean, other than I'm trying to think, is he? Is he? Is anybody that's coming under Ten Hag? Could you class any of them as a flop? I don't think you can. With the possibility, not, not, yeah, I think it's still too early. The I only think, one I was going to say is Anthony. Anthony yeah, I, but that's only because of the price tag, and, yeah. and that's not either of those. It's not either of their fault. No, like, it's not Ten Hag's fault that the Glazers or whoever's in charge of the negotiations you know, didn't get that sorted earlier because we were concentrating on one player for the entire window that yeah. didn't want to join. Um, if we'd have gone for Anthony right at the start of the window, we probably could have got him for like 60 million. Yeah. Um, but because we dragged it out right until the end, we ended up having to pay 90 or whatever it was in the end. And that's the same as Sancho. Mm-hmm. You know, we dragged it out for so long, we ended up paying the full whack. Um, but that's, again, that's not the player's fault that they've gone for that much money, and that's not Ten Hag's. Ten Hag would have said, I want this player. He wouldn't have said, pay £100 million for this player. Yeah, he just says, yeah, I want this player, go and, go and, yeah. go and make it happen sort mm. of thing. And I guess, you know, you, you've, we've seen, that if you get the right player in a, in a problem position, you can see the effect it's had, mm. Casemiro, yeah. you can see the effect that's had on the team, and I don't think it's unreasonable to say that he has been a humongous catalyst yeah I mean that, so that's a funny one because when we signed him I thought well 60 million for a sort of 30 year old player looks, like, looks like a fucking bargain yeah, now, now, doesn't it? yeah. <laughs> um, but I, even, I think even you know even with Rashford I don't necessarily think his form will be as good without Casemiro in, the, mm. in that team because you know, can Rashford flourish in a team that's constantly conceding goals constantly up against it because they haven't got a midfield partnership that can actually stop teams from scoring and Casemiro has himself turned into a quite a creative attacking threat anyway mm. even though that, that historically was not really his game at Madrid it's not just Casemiro I mean him and Ericsson I think obviously because before we had McFred um, we now have Ericsson who's that sort of playmaker in midfield Yeah. Uh, plus the centre-back we've got a new centre-back partnership which I think has been unreal yeah I mean that's gone under the radar a bit mm. Martin has got a lot of bad press at the start yeah, of the season yeah. he? and that's he's, gone very quiet he really has yeah. <laughs> so yeah I think it's been an amazing job so yeah for United in the summer Pete's absolutely right what they don't want to be doing is getting embroiled in a is it are they going to sell are they not and then that detracting from 
what Ten Hag needs mm. to happen, which is more players coming in, probably one or two going out as well, uh, maybe even more than that. And you need some extra depth. I don't know whether you can pad that out with some youth players. You've got a couple of exciting looking younger mm. players coming through, Garnacho being the obvious well, one. Our bench has just constantly been youth players at yeah. the moment. Um, which, you know... It's I'm, good, not, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not against that. Yeah. Um, well, that's how Rashford came through because all our strikers got injured. So yeah, exactly ten, that. Um, Van Gaal brought him through. So, yeah, we'll see. But in terms of the ownership situation then, so we know as things stand, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that we know that Jim Ratcliffe mm-hmm. and a Qatari consortium... Yeah, they're the two have, outright bidders. Yeah, put, put bids in. We don't know the amount, I mean, apart from the word substantial mm. that was used. <laughs> um, so we don't know the amounts, but... I mean, how do you feel as, as you know, as as a as a fan of the club? You know, what 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 do you want to see happen? Um, well, I mean, that this Qatari fund that have come through have said that they're going to invest in the stadium, in the infrastructure, like the training ground, um, the community as well, all those sort of things. Which I I think is saying all the right saying things. the right things. Yeah, not just saying oh we're going to come in and bring Mbappe in <laughs> because I I'm not interested in that at all. Like the stadium is falling apart yeah um and i think i want to see i don't really care who the new owners are as long as they are the best for the club unfortunately the glazers are going to go for whoever offers them the biggest bag of money yeah i mean the, the headlines today i saw in the papers were all about that Glazers said six billion or nothing mm. you know they're standing pretty firm mm. by the look of things so i, I can't see jim because jim ratcliffe is a united fan um, so I mean, someone like that would, or I feel like, would be a good fit. But I just don't think he's going to be able to outbid the Qataris. No, and I guess the only question mark is what's been said around is is, is the the fact that the Qatari state ownership of PSG mm. and how this affects United and their ownership with the rules around clubs being owned by the same people in the Champions League. Obviously, it's fine from a league point of view. There's no there's no issue there. Um, but from a Champions League point of view, when it looks very much like that United are going to be back in the Champions League next season, how does that work if the Qataris take over? Because there are links. Mm. I don't think it's the exact same people, no. but they're linked yeah. financially and sort of from a business point of view enough that it would break those rules. But there's always loopholes. I mean, you know, they always hire fancy lawyers and they'll get around. The same with FFP, you know, all these clubs constantly get away with it because there are always loopholes. So it wouldn't surprise me. I'm sure they've done their research. I can't imagine they've just gone on eBay and put a bid in without doing their research. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, very much so. Um, just want to play a little bit of devil's advocate here and just get your opinion on something that's just been bubbling away at the back of my mind. Now, I'm not going to sit here and be that guy and say that I would never want the Qataris to come and buy West Ham or the Saudis mm-hmm. to come and buy West Ham because... Quite frankly, I'd be fucking over the moon if they did because of the potential that it mm. brings. But we're now at a point where Spurs are under potential, although Levy said he's not selling, but there's been rumours. Obviously, Liverpool pulled out today, but there were rumours around them. We've got United that are owned by, um, or potentially owned by the Qataris. You've got the uh, UAE at uh, City. You've got huge American ownership at Liverpool and at Chelsea. You've got Saudis at Newcastle. Mm. I mean, how do you guys feel about these kind of state-owned clubs becoming more and more uh, common in the Premier League and across Europe? Do you think that this is now the divide is going to get too much? Are we heading? Are we almost heading for a Super League without realizing it? The, the problem is, you know, the big clubs as well, the likes of your Man City now, your Liverpool, your Chelsea, United. The only 
people that can afford to buy these clubs for billions and billions of pounds are these oil sort of countries. Yeah. Um, you know, no English person is going to be able to afford seven, eight billion club, etc. No, absolutely right. And I guess, you know, I don't necessarily have a problem. With, I mean, as much as, you know, you can you can argue until you're, you know, long in the tooth about the the people behind these bids, right, and the humanitarian records in the in the Middle East, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we had enough conversations about that around the World Cup. Mm. So that's a separate conversation that absolutely needs to happen and needs to be kind of dealt with and improved upon. My kind of concern is a little bit more longer term. If these guys, if their money suddenly dries up or it's suddenly becoming, like, let's say this Man City situation, for example, let's say that really goes fucking south for Man City. If they get relegated one or two divisions... What happens to their owners? They're going to stick it out. What happens mm-hmm. if they want to sell up? You know, all of a sudden, as you rightly said there, then the value is inflated to a point where everyone now wants to own football clubs because they see them as such rich enterprises mm-hmm. that, from a commercial standpoint, that six billion for Man United is still seen as an attractive proposition because mm-hmm. they think they can make money on it. You are you are getting a very very small list of people that can afford these big clubs. So are we heading to a point where we're going to hit the summit of the mountain, and all of a sudden there's going to be a massive fucking crash when these owners don't want to own them anymore? The way I see, it's like a like an elite club, like it's a, a sport or a hobby to to own these clubs. And the main issue from my side, I mean, a team like Portsmouth, we've got a millionaire owner, or billionaire owner, um, in Michael Eisner. We're not getting any success from that because he's investing in the club and, and everything like that, but it's just not working. Now, when you get to the likes of United and, and, and City and that, if if you ask Dan about the, would he rather the, the recent success of City, you know, you'd say yes, wouldn't you, as, as a United fan, but when they're not looking after the club in terms of FFP or whatever City are doing wrong now, it does have a long-term impact on them. Um, I'd much rather a local owner come in like that not have the success but be a long-term plan instead because the inflation of these teams is going to get ridiculous and it's just going to wipe away the whole of the EFL for me I don't really care where they're from I think there should be guidelines as to how people run clubs so that you know clubs aren't run into the ground and and abused like the Glazers are with United or other club, I mean, like Derby, etc. I mean, I was I was listening to the Gary Neville podcast, and he was talking about Barry, mm-hmm. and he said that the bloke that pretty much fucked Barry over had a history of running companies into the ground and liquidating companies, and he was like, "Why was that not looked into before yeah, this bloke?" It's because the EFL don't don't do fit and proper. That that's where half the issues have come from. I mean, I mean, I suppose some of this might be solved with this new independent body that's still we don't know don't know the specifics of when and how they're going to come in but it's still being talked about um if they come in maybe some extra as you say fit and proper checks will be put in then but but if all of the premier league clubs buy into this and all the qataris and saudi arabians start buying all these clubs for ridiculous amounts of money then football just sort of gets petered out again like city have been up there then united get bought and newcastle and, and liverpool get bought Everyone's on the same level, and all you've got is just a high inflation of, of cost. Yeah, for, problem for is, the average fan. And then, as the, you say, when the EFL clubs come up, all of a sudden they've you can't you can't you absolutely cannot compete football. with that. So you might problem. as well do the Super League and bugger you all off. Mm. Problem is, the ball is already rolling now. You know, City. Yeah, have been yeah. Bought oh, the horse is bolted. Absolutely. Yeah, the, Newcastle have now been bought. You can't then turn around and say to uh, United, "Oh, you know, we're, we're going yeah. to steal." Yeah, away this, from this that is enough now. now. Yeah, yeah, you guys can't do it exactly. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I am a little bit worried in the long term that maybe we'd lose the soul of football a little bit mm. with this. Um, you know, we'll, yes, we'll have arguably, you know, the best crop of players in the world because of the money that's going to be available to, to be spent in the Premier League. You know, this, come, this comes about a little bit because of the, frankly, very good work that the Premier League have done over the years with their advertising commercial deals that they've done abroad. Um, I, mean, I remember somebody saying, I think we talked about this the other week, that commercially the Carabao Cup is a huge game in some of these abroad countries. And you think, like, we don't even fucking pay attention to half those games mm-hmm. here in this country. And yet abroad is huge just because mm-hmm. the Premier League teams are involved. It's like the um, the Super Bowl had less less attendance than Portsmouth versus Sunderland the cap, yeah. in the uh, checker trade <laughs> and yet, trophy final. <laughs> and yet the Americans will try and tell you that it's like the biggest biggest sporting event in the world. And it's like, I I'm not sure it is. Didn't yeah, even know it was on. I, I mean, the only reason I knew it was on that weekend was only because, because of the amount of advertisement they've done on Sky Sports and stuff. I, you, I didn't see that much. The only reason I knew was because they moved the Last of Us TV show to the Friday night instead of the <laughs> Sunday because they didn't want it to clash. Yeah. But in terms of like other teams suffering because of it, I, I don't think that's the case because, I mean, you look at Villa, they obviously splash a lot of cash now. Um Teams are just going to get smarter, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, I think they're and Brighton, obviously, they, they, the way they sort of work, they, they buy players on the cheap and then sell them for a lot more. And Leicester, I mean, we saw Leicester, you know, even with the spending power of United, Liverpool, Chelsea, City, Leicester still managed to win the league. Yeah, but, but it, the, the thing with Brighton is that they're in that period now where they're, they've got these players at this time and then they sell them on. At some point, just like Southampton and, and all the other teams, that does dry up. Yeah. The money, Less, the money for United or the money for City is not going to dry up. But it, it does rotate the league round, though, because I, I get I get really bored seeing the same teams in the Premier League every single season, like, especially with teams like Norwich just bouncing up, bouncing down, bouncing out, and Fulham, etc. Mm. So I like that, you know, say Southampton have now had a poor season, they're probably going to go down. <laughs> and leads potentially and then we're going to see some new teams come. so it's it's nice that you, you know you say that Brighton's thing is sort of running out well potentially in a few years time they might go down and, mm. and then you have new teams come up so problem is if you have all these Premier League teams that are doing really well it's the same 20 teams every single season and it's a bit boring for me yeah and, and I guess you know Chelsea are Chelsea and Liverpool this season are kind of demonstrating that even with lots and lots of money, mm. it doesn't guarantee success. No. Um, you know, the things have to be... Uh, this is why I don't want an American owner as well. <laughs> they are so clueless. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting conversation. I mean, you know, maybe potentially one for a, you know, a much longer podcast because there's, there's so many avenues that you could explore with this. Um, but you're right. Teams are going to have to get smarter. You know, this is not something that's going away. Teams like... Brighton and, and Fulham, they're, they're having to compete with these mm. ridiculous revenue machines that are, you know, United City, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and yet they still are right now. And it is only 11 v 11 on a pitch. And if you can get the right manager with the right crop of players, with the right attitude, you can still do well. So mm. And, you know, and teams aren't held to ransom like they used to be with the, it doesn't matter how much money, you know, a team like City has, a team like Villa will still demand 100 million for mm. their prized asset. And that's probably part of the reason that the transfers have been so inflated anyways, mm. because I mean, we've even seen it now with clean teams in Europe doing mm. it to Premier League teams. You know, Anthony yeah. from Ajax yeah. is is the obvious example. Or so Sancho, Dortmund. Yeah, um, I'm sure they'll, uh, Bellingham, Bellingham they'll, will, they'll, they'll do the same to Liverpool yeah. um, in the summer. So I mean, if they hadn't had a release clause, I'm sure Haaland would have gone for 100 plus mil. Oh, easy. Oh, easily, yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah it's going to be interesting to see uh, right let's move on let's talk about uh, the other end of the table we'll talk um, 
excuse me, about what actually in the end was a really bad weekend for West Ham because of the way the results panned out. Um, Dropped into the relegation. We so. have, yeah. We'll start there at White Hart Lane. Um, or I'm going to call it that because that's what I remember it as. Um, <laughs> Sounds better. It's quite ironic, actually, because thing. you started on the front foot and yet you lost. Yeah, we had that really good opportunity, didn't we, a few minutes in Bowen. with Bowen. That was our um, only chance, though, wasn't it? We had one shot on target in the yeah. entire game, which was Bowen in the second <laughs> half about an hour hour in, mm. just after they scored their first, I think. Mm. And it might have been their second, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I, I, mess- I can't remember if I messaged both you guys or whether I just messaged you or maybe Lee as well, but as soon as I saw that lineup, I was like, this is not going to go well. Mm. When I saw that we had eight defensively minded players out of the 10 outfield players I was like we're set up here to not lose this game and in the first half it kind of worked we did go a little bit toe to toe with them we kept them quiet we defended well and I suppose in the grand scheme of things given the situation I probably would have taken a point but the problem is is that as soon as you start making mistakes and you start letting them come on to you in the second half like we did and we got the goal behind it's so difficult to get out of that mindset even by bringing players on Mm. so I think it was never a game we were really expected to win, but it was a game that I felt like we could have won. You know, you we saw Especially Spurs. Especially Derby. I mean. Well, yeah, but we saw Spurs last week. You saw what Leicester did to Spurs last week and they pressed them high. Mm. Spurs are fucking dreadful at the back. As much as Romero played really well in this game at the weekend, I do rate him as a defender. He has got a mistake in him. Yeah. Dyer has got a mistake in him He's massively. And with Fraser um, Forster in goal. Yeah. Fraser Forster looked like, you know, a fucking tree being felled in the woods when he tried to dive <laughs> for the ball the other week. Um, so the, the opportunity was there. I felt like I felt like Moyes bowled it again. And I've said this time and time again, this inferiority complex um, that he that he takes. And I felt like his interview after the game was really, mm. really odd uh, in the way that he was sort of sort of like half criticised the team by sort of saying we're not creating we're doing working training to create more chances and I, yeah, but if you're training for five at the back at the weekend with ten sorry eight of your ten outfield players in defensive mindsets don't fucking work it out it's not hard to know why we're not creating or scoring many goals I think the problem is as well you know I mean without being disrespectful you take a team like say Southampton you'd expect them to be training to play defensively and be on the back foot. I mean, Forest against City, for example. Yeah. They obviously trained to because you saw that. I don't know if you saw their heat map and stuff. It was pretty much in their eighteen yard box the entire game. But that's because you know you're playing City. You you know you're going to be back yeah. against the wall. You have to kind of be smart to know your own limitations as a squad. Yeah. Whereas I find it strange with a team like West Ham that are in Europe, were you know battling the top six for the last two or three seasons, are playing with that Nottingham Forest backs against the wall mentality in most of these games, and it's not just against the top teams. You do it against mid table teams and even the teams around you at the moment. We'll do. It. I mean, we've got a massive game against Forest next weekend. Mm-hmm. I guarantee we'll do the same. Even though we're at home, yeah. I guarantee we'll set up in a very similar way. Um, and I know, and I've said this before, I know that playing five at the back doesn't necessarily mean negative because you can play with your wing backs really high. Mm-hmm. You can press high. That's still fine, but he just doesn't. And mm-hmm. I knew that was going to happen. And the very fact that he sort of, you know, I don't, I don't know if he dug out Ings in the interview, but he mentioned the fact that we brought Ings in and hopefully he's going to start scoring. It's like, well, you've given him no more than 20 minutes <laughs> in two or three games. You know, you've got to give him a chance to get in amongst the goals. You've had Antonio who didn't have a touch on the ball inside their box. He hasn't had a shot on goal. He's, not, he's scored two goals all season. Fucking drop him and play Ings mm. and, give him, and give him a run. You know, as much as I like Antonio, he is not in form remotely. And yes, he didn't have any service at the weekend, so I'm not going to call him out for this game because he had nothing to feed on whatsoever. But <laughs> if you don't push players forward and try and get players in and around your strikers, you are not going to score goals. And it's no 
surprised to see that we've got the fourth worst goal scoring record in the league, yet with the seventh best defence in the league, mm. um, and yet we're third bottom. So it's not easy. It's not difficult to work out where our problems are. Um, and one final point before we talk about the, the relegation picture as a whole. Um, did you see Declan Rice's interview? Can't remember. I don't know again if he was digging out Moyes, but it was a li- you could tell he was frustrated. Um, basically, he said, you know, when you sit out five at the back, you are isolating your strikers. Mm. And the way he said it made it sound like, you know, he was frustrated yeah. with the fact that we set up like that. And we'd all, you know, everyone's been talking about how West Ham have turned the corner with their results. We've won once in 11 games. Mm. I mean, what fucking corner have we turned? Have we, you know, is it a, I think the FA Cup runs probably helped you out a bit. A little bit, yeah. I mean, that's going to come to an abrupt end when we play you in a few weeks' time. <laughs> but, um, what Declan Rice was saying to Hoiberg as well. Yeah, no one likes you. No one likes you. That <laughs> <laughs> was such a middle-class like, insult, isn't it? Um, Goalkeeping coach doing well there. For who? For you. What, for Fabianski not bothering to die for either of the guys? No, I meant for Suchek and Kera. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered if you were going to bring this up. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. You know. Maybe that's where we were spending all our money is on bribing referees. <laughs> um, yeah, talk me through this one because I'm beginning to lose all knowledge of what the handball rule is in football mm-hmm. now. I hope Newcastle will be giving you a bell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I suppose, is it? Is he in a uh, clearing... Oh, not clear and obvious. It's, if it's, your arm is away from your body. In an unnatural it? position. Yeah. unnatural sorry, Which yeah. to me it was. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the commentators seem to su- suggest that, you know, he was using his arm as a brace for him falling. It's like he wasn't. No. Um, his <laughs> hand never touched the floor because he didn't need to. Um, the first um, one wasn't too bad. It was the second contact where he sort of went through the ball. Yeah. That was clear cut as it gets. Yeah, I mean, a little bit like the Chelsea game with Suchek. Mm. I'm stunned that that didn't get looked at. I really am. I, I cannot understand how that wasn't looked at and given. I think we could, it wouldn't have made any difference to the result in the end. No. So I think that's probably why no one's really talking about it. Yeah. Um, if we'd have got a point or, or better yet, won the game, then I'm sure that would have been um very big uh, talking point. Yeah. Um, Barry, let's look at the relegation picture as a whole because West Ham do drop down now into the bottom uh, three along with Southampton despite their win they are still three points from safety but that is a massive morale boosting win mm. especially as they no longer have a manager uh, apparently so rumours are to be believed there whoever the guy is that's the running the team at the moment apparently is desperate for the job mm-hmm. um, I don't know who, I don't even know what his name is I'll be brutally honest um, but I mean he's, you know, he's done his chances no harm yeah. with the win against Chelsea um, Leeds Selos or something isn't it? something like that yeah Leeds are um, still managerless, of course, and they are in free fall. They 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 look dead and buried leads at the minute, don't they? Um, which is weird because we thought, given their attacking talent, that they might have something mm. in them to get out of this, but they just look completely and utterly devoid of confidence and ideas. Yeah. And I find it strange they sat the manager with no sort of real plan of... I know they've obviously tried to replace him and they just keep seem to be turned down. Um it's the same with Southampton. Like I find it strange when a club sacks a manager but has no sort of contingency plan to replace them. Yeah, and uh, you know when you look at the situation that Leeds and Southampton found themselves in prior to the sacking, it's not like they've suddenly just lost three games on the spin. You mm. sacked them. You know this has been a, a very mm. bad run of form for a number of weeks and months. So yeah, have have something in your back pocket. You know, work your channels, work your uh, your contacts, and make sure you've got somebody in place that your confidence is going to come in. And obviously Jesse March was going to go to Southampton that, that fell through at the I last minute. I find that so strange. I mean, they're literally sat one place above them with a better squad. <laughs> and you think that he's the man to turn your season around. Take him. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but obviously, yeah, from a West Ham point of view, Everton, uh, that's two wins from three games for Sean Dyche since he's come in. Um, there was a, a good fact about Sean Dyche, actually, well, after this game, that he has played 31 teams while managing in the Premier League, and he's the only manager to beat every 31 teams. Wow. Not even Pep's done that. Who's he not being then? I don't know. Interesting. He's the only manager. Talking about Pep as well, the game against Arsenal, um, City only had 39% possession. Apparently that's the lowest ever um, since Pep's been a manager. Wow. What, even when he was at Barcelona and everywhere? Wow. Well, I mean... Has he been? Has he been outpepped by Arteta? Mm. He's, uh, he's been outdone by his protege. Um, well, so yeah, been three one, but well, yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> <Happy> <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like Mourinho's <laughs> quote, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Bournemouth picked up a win, a much needed win for them at the weekend. They've been out of sorts as well. Um, I mean, every week we look at this and we're trying to predict the bottom three. And I think I think we're still fairly confident that Southampton are in are gone, mm. despite Bournemouth's win. I still think they're going to go. Um, I'm going to say West Ham are going to survive just because I think... Is that hope or...? Well, I mean, look, everyone I've heard, every pun that has always said that West Ham have got, you know, they're almost too good to go down. Too good to go down. Lose that out of your fucking mind right now because <laughs> the way we are playing, we are absolutely good enough to go down. You're Yeah, um, you're in that dogfight, yeah. whether you like it or not. If we suddenly can start hitting the back of the net, we'll be fine because mm. defensively we're okay. Aguerd has been really good. So we could do with Zuma back. Um but we just need to score goals and take the pressure off the defence. If we can do that, we'll be fine. Um, I think you just look at Forrest. I mean, I th- at one point we were saying they were dead and buried. You know, they were dead last. They were losing practically every game. And now they're a good five points ahead of, like, the sort of bottom three. Yeah, absolutely. They've, they've, they've really clawed themselves away, which has been quite astonishing. Leicester, despite, you know, some a little bit of an uptilt in form despite the result of the weekend, they're still very much in the mix. Mm. And it's amazing, isn't it, that Leicester, that Nottingham Forest have only lost one of their last six, having won three of them. Mm. Leicester have won two of the last four and drawn one of them. Wolves have won uh, three out of the last six, and yet they're still, all of them, five points off the drop or within five points of the drop. So nobody is getting away at the no. moment. So this is this could run the distance. This could literally come down to the last game of the season or the last couple of games of the season with six teams still very much in, in relegation danger, which I don't know if you want that or you don't or you... Yeah, you love that. You love to see it. I as love it when you're it in it. Well, that's going to say, yeah, if you're in yeah, it, then... Yeah. <laughs> it's so good, though, when it comes down to the last day, uh, the last day of the season, everyone's playing at the same time. Do you not want to... Reevaluate who you think is going to get relegated. Who now. did I say last yeah. week? You said Southampton, Bournemouth, and uh, did I say Everton? Everton or Wolves? Yeah, I think I said Leicester, and I'm definitely not sticking with Leicester. <laughs> um, I will say I will reevaluate Southampton, Leeds, Bournemouth. Yeah, cool. Yeah, what, what are you what are you saying? That's, that's what I yeah. for, and I so. yeah, I would agree. With Good. That. Well, since we're all in agreement, that's obviously that's, <laughs> that must be what's going to happen. And West Ham are therefore safe. Um, but yeah, I I know a championship I, team when I see one. <laughs> <laughs> I do worry for West Ham. I really do. I'm Skamaka's back in the side. If Pakatar is going to be only a week or two out, that's massive because he was just looking a bit better. I will say Suchek looked better at the weekend. Finally, Moyes has stopped trying to push uh, Rice forward. And Suchek defensively, he's put them back to how they were before when right. Suchek was really good. And he looked more, much more effective, Suchek, going forward. So hopefully that's a, an, uh, a positive indicator. Um, 
But I still think he'll be gone in the summer. So um, while we're talking about relegation, I know they are still a while off it, but Palace. Now, you've been talking about their poor form. Yeah. There was a stat I heard this morning on the radio, and they were saying they are the highest team to concede last-minute goals which have an impact on points. Okay. I.e. if they're drawing one all, yeah, they'll, yeah. they'll lose that 2-1, etc. Yeah, I mean, they can see, was it 96th minute they conceded against Brentford at the weekend? Yeah. Um, I think it's the 11th time that they've conceded a goal in the in past 90 minutes, which has affected points. Did you see uh, Tariq Mitchell? No. So he was uh, injured, but he he'd got injured off the pitch. Right, and then uh, he rolled back on. He the rolled back on, so that they had to stop the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, Palace. Obviously, you know, we've, we've spoken about them a little bit in the last few weeks. Where just not really sure what they are, what the, what their kind of goal might be. Um, they're still only six points off the drop. You know, we were talking about how teams are not really able to get away, and Palace definitely still fall into that category. Um, I mean, Villa have lost their last three. They're only eight points away. I don't, I don't think for the moment they should be worried. But I'm just saying it's only eight points. You know, a couple of a couple of bad results for Villa and a couple of good results for teams below them, and all of a sudden they're now only five points behind. So it's it's gonna get it's gonna get tricky. I don't I don't think Palace will get drawn in yet, but I I do think that they need to find a win or two from somewhere. And I think they've not won now in nine games, nine ten games, something like that. Yeah, I I see them. 16th, 17th, if things don't change by April. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. And I think Patrick Vieira will very quickly come under pressure. Then, um, if, if they if they start getting near that, at the moment they're okay because they're not in any immediate danger, I guess you could say. But if they start getting to sort of, you know, one or two points away mm-hmm. from that relegation zone and they're not picking up wins, then I think he could be one of the next for the chop. Um, Rumour is Moyes will go if we lose to Forest this weekend. Honestly, I don't believe it. You've just been backed by the um, board, though, same as... He's just been back the board saying sometimes there's, there's do, no... do that just before I know sacking someone. But the, I mean, we've done that once or twice already this season with Moyes, and I feel like we had so many other opportunities because we've we actually, our form hasn't been awful, awful. You know, we've drawn a few games here and there. It's actually better than it was in the run up to the World Cup. So if there was your chance to do it. If you're not going to do it, then I don't think you're going to do it. But now. I do feel like there's been a couple of times where if you'd have lost, it'd have been sad. But he, he manages to just win that. El Sakiko, as we call it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, look, make no mistake about it. West Ham Forest this weekend is is huge, and I'm scared. Mm. <laughs> it's a home game as well, which means the fans... Jay Ling's going to come back. Again. Oh, please, no. <laughs> if that prick comes on and scores the starts winner... Might chuck him away. Well. Starts yeah, doing a dance. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm never doing the podcast again if that happens. <laughs> so, anyway, right. Um, that uh, brings the show to a close, so it's time to round out the show, and we'll start with this. Damn the stat, man! So Liverpool's win over Newcastle was the 1,500th 2-0 victory in Premier League history, the third most common result in the competition. But what are the top two most common results? You go first. 1-0. Yep, that's the most common. 2-1. 2-1. Good. Right, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, all the stats were just so... Boring about obviously like Rashford and this, that, and the other. And I thought, well, this is a little bit different, <laughs> right? Okay, right. Well, it's time to head into the second round of Pete's quiz.
Hello and welcome to round two of the new quiz. Um, the scores are currently one all after your draw last week. Um, sticking with the same buzzers, aren't we? We are. We are. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. That's mine. That was mine. <laughs> Which one did you have? Can you remember? Which ones have you got? Which ones have you got? Uh, what's this one? No, it wasn't that. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that was one. it. That one, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's because he got battered by U5 Neil in the first one, and then yeah, he's maybe it was that one. Yeah, okay, was um, so this is only round two. Did you say it was round two? It's yes. round three. Was it round three? No, 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 because the first one oh, we didn't count the test, wasn't it? Okay, so just in just which practice. case is it only one nil? Is it one nil to me then? Not one, no, it's one, it's one all, wasn't it? The one that you won five nil was only the practice, remember? Ah, right, okay, cheating bastards, <laughs> right? Take every advantage you can get. So, another theme for this week, and it is speciality. So, I am ready when you are. We are. We are ready. So, just to... Obviously, I've told you two as well. I'll tell the listeners. These are slightly older players. So, it could be a couple of years retired or about 15 years ago retired. Well, based on how the fact that we uh, weren't able to guess one of the world's greatest mm. ever footballers last week, I'm sure this will go brilliantly. Okay. Let's go. Are they retired? <laughs> <laughs> Pointless. <laughs> yes. Um, have they retired within the last five years? Yes. Within the last five years. Are they Premier League player? No. Well, were they? I no. Mean, Okay. Um, are they? Is their nationality European? Yes. Are they sort of one of the top five European country in terms of leagues? Yeah. Are they Spanish? Yeah. Did they play for either Real Madrid or Barcelona? Yes. Retired in the last five years. And he's Spanish. Is he a striker? No. Did he play in the MLS? No. Not who I thought it was. <laughs> um, is he a midfielder? No. Okay, it's definitely not who I thought it was then. Is he a defender? No. Oh. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. One of two. Is it Ica, Ica Casillas? It is. Ah, oh, I was hoping it'd be Victor Valdez. <laughs> <laughs> so he has the highest shots face and save percentage ever. Of any goalie? Mm -hmm. Wow. So it's a speciality keeper. Right. 1-0 to Chris. Next player. Raising up the temperature. We're not here. doing like frozen out, are we? No. no, I think that's why I've been hesitant. To like, yeah, I'll get in there, mate. Get yeah. in there. Um, right. Um, uh, I think we kind of have to narrow down the period at which they retired early, don't we? So, have they retired in the last five years? No. So, it's older then. Older. Um, are they on LMA? Yes. <laughs> that's such an ask. Like, no one's going to get anything from that unless they've been watching the series. What does LMA actually stand for? League Managers Association. Thank you. Um. Okay. <laughs> Just gonna throw it out there. Are they a player that me and Dan own? 
in the, in our LMA game. No. Um, are they European? Yes. Are they a striker? No. Did they play in the Premier League? No. Is their speciality set pieces? Uh, no. Okay. Are they a midfielder? No. Defender? Yes. Did they play in Spain? No. You asked, did you say Premier League already? Mm. So not Premier League, not Spain. He hasn't asked Premier League, but no. But they're not, okay, fine. No, that was for Casillas one. That was. Oh, you asked about, are they European or something? You asked, oh, didn't okay. you? Um, I can give you a hint if you want one now. No, we'll keep going for the minute. Uh, did they play in the Italian League? Yes. It's getting warmer. And did we... It's very good. Is it Cannavaro? No. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Did they play... Oh, okay. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. Paolo Maldini? How's he done that? Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> my, my hint was going to be it was a one-man... One, one, one team player. I wouldn't have guessed that if you hadn't guessed Cannavaro. Mm. But that sort of set me on that. Oh, yeah, you might be on something with these sort of iconic... Italian defenders of the time. I was really hoping you were going to stitch yourself and say Zabrotta or something. <laughs> was it? I had in my head either him or like Nesta. Those mm. are the two I had in my head. But since you started guessing, I was like, fuck <laughs> I'll have a go as well. Lovely. Right. Next player. If one, one warning I will give you here is that if you've asked if they've retired in a certain period, it can be very misleading. Okay. Does that mean he's come back from retirement? It can be very misleading. Is it Paul Scholes? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. So Chris is one. He's playing for Christ. Glad I'm glad I'm tuning up. Mm. Um, I think it's your guess first, mate. Isn't it? Oh, um. So you said. Did you say they have retired recently? They have retired. Um, but the time they retired could be very misleading as to when they like last played or something. Well, did they come back? Yes. All right. And did they originally retire within the last 10 years, the first time? No. Did they play in the MLS? No. Oh, fucking hell. Who were you thinking? Omri. Oh. He never retired, though, did he? He came back oh, to Arsenal. Yeah, he, he didn't actually retire. Yeah, well, he? when you go to the MLS, you're pretty much retired. <laughs> he is a retired moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of these players. I mean, the, say, the only one I could think of was, was Skulls. Mm. Um, I mean, you've got you've got the theme of speciality. Okay. So they were very good at like something above everyone else sort of thing. The comebacks. Yeah. Um, are they... Is their nationality European? Yes. Did they play in the Premier League? Yes. Did they play in other big European leagues too? No. Only Premier League. Who retired? Do we know when they retired? Not yet. Oh, I said no. Did they originally retire for the first time within the last 10 years? No. So older than that. Hmm. So the first time they retired was earlier than... Uh, 2013. Um, whose who's guess is it? Did they retire 
for the second time within the last five years. No. Older than that. Um, were they a sort of big name, big household name player? Yes. Okay. Was it for one of the top six clubs in brackets? No. Is it Tom Brady? No. Um, <laughs> um, is he a striker? No. Is he English? Yes. He didn't play for a big club or one of the big six. It's going to be a fucking West Ham player and he's going to do me and I can't remember it. Uh, is he a midfielder? Yeah. Has he gone on to managing or coaching? Um... No. I've stumped him there. No. So they first retired in 2003. Oh, fuck Jesus Christ. Um, I was five. They, they came back for one appearance in 2013, but it wasn't. One appearance. 2013? Yeah. Ten years later? Yeah. So that must mean he must have retired because of... What, back for the same team or? No. He must have retired from a bad injury or something at a young age and then came back for one game and realised maybe he couldn't do it or something. Um, you couldn't be more wrong. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, why else would there be a 10-year gap between it? Because the, the standard of, of football that he played at. Oh, I appearance. see. Okay. Oh, did he come back for a lower league team then? Yes. Oh, fuck um, and he wasn't a big-time player. Um... I've got a horrible feeling I might know who this is. Is it? Is he on? Is it a horrible feeling? Is he on the LMA? Uh, no. Oh. Some of them may be good, some of them may be shit. Play, wow, yeah. Is it Stuart Pearce? No. Oh, he came out and played a pub game. I'm sure he did, or a, a lower league game. I was thinking like Lewis Bermorte or something like that. Because um, he played up at four marks. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. His speciality was penalties. 2003, 20 years ago. <laughs> sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Julian Dix? No. I'm not going to... I was eight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, mate, I was only th- 13 or 14. So <laughs> it's, not like, it's not like I had, like, 10 years on you. Uh, um, it was penalties. 2003, who was... Penalty specialist, English... Didn't ever play for like a top six side. Is the team that he played for mainly in the Premier League now? Yes. And I fucking hate them. Mm, oh. Is it? Matt Letizia. Dan, you buzz first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who did he play for and then 10 years uh, later? Southampton, his whole career, 443 appearances, 161 goals. Then moved to Eastleigh, and then ten years later made his return to his hometown, Guernsey. Oh, okay, for one game. Yes. And then what? He was asked to retire again. Was he after that <laughs> by the rest yes, of the team? He, he, I think he got a kink for like um, conspiracy theories. After. Oh, that's right. Yeah, of course he did. Yeah, he became a conspiracy theorist, didn't he? Two thousand three. I didn't realize he retired that long. He's <clears throat> fifty four. Yeah. But that's still twenty years ago. Mm. Yeah. He only ever missed one penalty. Really? Yeah. His entire the only, the only person You'd to be match, about match that, his you? stats was 
um, Harry Kane and Ivan Tony up until this season. All right. There we go. Right. Well, that makes score 2 1 to me. Um, thank you very much for listening, everybody. Um, we are. 2 1? Yeah, because you drew the first one. So it was just 1 0. Yeah, because we gave a point each, didn't we, for uh, the draw? Because okay. yeah. otherwise we'd be 0 0 and we'd have to keep going. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, right. Yeah, we're, we're going to obviously end things there. Um, we've got uh, Dan's forfeits. I'm hoping if I can nail Dan down in terms of date and time to do it, to do them next week. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah if I can get that done next week and we can have the video up within you know a few or you know three or four days after that um, LMA for those of you that are listening uh, we are now going to take a, a break for a little while for a few weeks we're not going to take too long because obviously we know that people love That's it what they want. exactly so um, we're going to start recording that again in probably a few weeks time and um, yeah thank you very much everyone for watching and we'll see you all next week bye 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 mm-hmm.